0: Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, everybody. I have been having myself a very nice weekend, making this recording a little bit later in the week than I normally do, but hopefully I get it out at the uh, time I normally would. What has been on my mind lately i have been thinking of uh, a stance of churchianity that i have probably touched on before and that stance is don't judge essentially the churchians talk endlessly about this idea that if you judge anybody ever you will be judged by god And therefore, essentially, the the extremity of this connotation is quite maddening. If you judge somebody else, God will judge you harshly and essentially send you to hell. Now, I don't know if that's what Churchians really do mean when they say these things, but the emphasis they put on not judging another person is very sharp. And uh, they seem quite severe about it when they talk about these things. I was just thinking earlier today, in fact, that um, the word Pharisee in modern parlance has been taken to mean simply hypocrite, and I think that that is well-deserved. But of course, the modern-day Christian, churchian, etc., you wonder where the Pharisees are. You know they're going to be there. Where are they exactly? And certainly there are legalistic Christians, particularly on the conservative side, who fit the bill of the classical Pharisee to a T, and obviously they pretty much fit in the same shoes. But the interesting thing is that on this side, the, the don't judge, love means be nice, and so on and so forth. On this side of the Christians, the Churchians, I'll just continue referring to them as Churchians, they are Pharisees too, but in a different way they seem to have taken the severity side of the pharisaical approach and have done essentially the same thing but at the opposite extreme they have taken the extremity of legalism and they have simply generated legalism on the side of leniency or ridiculous levels of tolerance and again niceness and so on. And they don't want to make any waves. And as a matter of fact, if anybody does dare make waves, if anybody dares offend somebody else, if anybody dares judge somebody else, then you're a bad person and you should be scorned and you should be rejected and you should look be looked down upon in exactly the same way that the Pharisees tried to look down on others. It is a little bit more indirect, but in the end, it is precisely the same process of Pharisaism. And on a quick side note, the uh, issue of don't offend anybody else is also not biblical, as, I, as you can probably predict I'm about to go through with judging. Uh, Jesus simply talks about the fact that uh, there is woe to those who offend the children of God. Uh, it doesn't imply that offense shouldn't come at all, and as a matter of fact, Jesus himself was greatly offended by some of the things that the Pharisees did, that the Jews in general did, and so on. And if we're not supposed to get offended, then why on earth would the very paragon of Christianity himself get offended? I can already hear the um, the jeerings of those who say, no, Jesus never really got offended, it was righteous anger, they'll just try to change the terminology and essentially use propaganda to try to throw down the point but it's common sense jesus got offended end of story anyways but back to the question of judging so it would seem like a cut and dry case when you take the verse where jesus himself says Ju- do not judge or sorry judge not lest you also be judged okay well that seems cut and dry once again right well no Reason being, because that verse is greatly cherry-picked. That is only the beginning of Jesus' argument. He continues, For the measure with which you judge others, it will be measured back to you. Now once again, you might say, but that still sounds like a cut-and-dry case. Sure, that's because you've probably heard that from the Churchians all the live long day, that these two are basically synonymous points. But as far as I can see it, reading it as if you were looking at this for the first time, as if you were hearing somebody else say it for the first time, the two are intertwined, of course, because it is one statement, it is one concept, one idea. Judge not lest you also be judged, for the measure with which you use it will be measured back to you. What is he saying the reason why you want to not judge or perhaps be careful about judging is because whatever measure you use upon other people they're going to use that same measure upon you right now let's get into a bit more of the nitty-gritty on this the point do not the measure you use upon others will be measured upon you Well, that becomes fairly obvious in regular human behavior when you simply look at very honest children. If, say, children are arguing with one another, and one talks about how you're greedy because you kept such and such amount of the the Halloween candy, well, what's the next child going to say? We all know what the next child is going to say. Oh, yeah? Well, look at how much you kept. The fact of the matter is that human beings already do exactly what Jesus tells us that we do, as long as we are not under threat. Those children wouldn't do that sort of a thing if they were being looked down upon, if the parent or elder that was around them was looking over their shoulder constantly and they knew, for a matter of fact, that the moment they start to start bickering about anything, they're going to get in trouble, and probably with their parents. But if they're allowed to simply be themselves, they are going to try to match up the judgment that one child uses against them back upon their head every single time. And we try to poo-poo this behavior, which is probably one of the reasons why we needed to be reminded that this is normal from Christ himself. Now, let's ask a more advanced question. Is there ever a circumstance under which we want the measure we use upon others to be measured back upon us? Well, the simple answer to that question is absolutely. Let's say that you are a store owner and you have several competitors around you let's say that's a typical typical grocery market and there are two other grocery markets just small neighborhood grocery markets down the road on both sides of you and you're smack dab in the middle well obviously you want to get more customers than the other two necessarily not necessarily combined but you want to do well cuz you're in a fairly tough position So how are you going to know whether or not you are doing a good job if you are going to maintain a higher customer count? You could, of course, try to spy on the other two stores, continue to get an idea of what kind of prices they offer. Um, But of course, eventually they're going to know who you are or who your employees are. It's a little bit of a shifty and underhanded strategy. Another way that you could find out how well you're doing is to offer your customers the ability to give you reviews, to tell you if you're doing a good job, and especially in modern day with the internet and so on, you can share good reviews online. You can even share bad reviews for the sake of attention, for the sake of getting people to see what some people say negatively and judge for themselves whether or not, that, whether or not that's true. Sometimes people have exactly that kind of curiosity. I know that in some cases, I do too. Anyway the point is that you want to be evaluated in other words you want to do, to be judged and don't um the argument that it's not really about you because you're the store owner it's about your store it's about your service and so on well if you're the store owner no it is about you because the level to which you are satisfying your customers directly reflects how good you are as a manager that is managing your your employees how good you are at finding good product and selling it the prices that you're using and so on and so forth so the measure that you are using upon others that is to say the measure upon which you are treating your with which you are treating your employees how you are pricing your products what kind of quality you are selling in your products You are going to get that reflected back upon you if you will allow it. And, by the way, you might think, oh, but that's not really judging. That's not really evaluating. Wait a second. The price that you put on your items is an assumption. That is a sort of judgment. You assume that your customers are going to be willing to pay X amount for X product. Well, if they do, then you have judged well. And, if you do judge very well indeed, you might get some good reviews. The judgment does in fact go both ways, just as it does with children. Now when we're adults, hopefully we learn to have some tact, some patience, some forbearance. But hopefully we will at least give people our evaluation. Now let's go a little bit more into the direct experience of human relationships. Let's say that today your spouse or maybe your best friend just obviously is behaving in a very different manner. They're not really saying anything. They're just a little quiet, a little short with you, maybe a bit impatient. And you're wondering, of course, especially once you start noticing this change of behavior, if uh, they're a little angry because of something that you did or maybe disappointed or sad. And that worries you, of course. You don't like getting a bad review. Nobody likes getting a bad review in the moment. But eh, that is not necessarily the case. It might be something else. But whatever the case, they're not telling you. I know that for me, this is a great bother and I do not like it one bit when a person is not willing to talk to me. Now, of course, one of the reasons why they don't want to talk to you in some cases may very well be because you are not very pleasant to talk to when the subject is negative. I try to be very pleasant to talk to when the subject is negative. I certainly uh, hold my ground if I think that the judgment upon me is false. But in general, I like to talk about negative things just as well as I like to talk about positive things. I don't mean to say that I enjoy them the same. I mean to say that I consider them both have deep abiding meaning that I want to engage with. Anyway, so you have this friend or family member who is behaving a great deal differently and they will—they just won't talk to you. Now, even if this matter is negative towards you, if whatever is upsetting them is something that they didn't like about something you did, the fact of the matter is if you've been through this a few times, you really do want to hear what they have to say why because if you allow this thing to fester it never really goes away it might it might uh, reduce to some extent through the course of time but it doesn't simply erase and for those who avoid argumentation in general as my family tended to do when I, while i was growing up you realize if you pay attention to your past that simply trying to allow time to erase these things, quote-unquote erase these things, doesn't do anything at all, because by the time you finally come to the point of having your debate, your argument, your having it out, all of the things that were unresolved in the past are in some form or another going to come right back to the surface. Whether it be that they remember each individual problem or incident that occurred or whether it be just through a uh, out of proportion reaction emotional reaction from the aggrieved party in one way or another it comes back to bite you so if you've learned your lesson about these things then you absolutely don't want this thing to simply be swept under the rug again even if it has to do with something you did so you want to have the conversation right You want to clear the air. You don't want to be going for two or three days with barely any conversation, if you have that kind of regular conversation. No kind of interaction, or at least no pleasant interaction. You want to have this conversation so that you can get back to life as normal with your close friend or family member. You want, in fact, to be judged. You want to be evaluated. You want to get the review on whatever it was that you did, and find out, of course, a number of things. It may be that the other person misread your intentions or even what you were trying to accomplish, so you can try to clear the air that way. It may be that you did, in fact, do something wrong. Well, it's better to understand what, in fact, you did. In many cases, we who ha- those who have done wrong, or at least a perceived wrong to another person, have no idea that we did so, or at least are not willing to fully admit it. It depends, of course, on how much pride is there. Anyway, especially if you have no concept of what is wrong, well, you want to know. You want to have that air cleared, and again, even if it is negative about you, it is better to have had the conversation, provided it goes well, than to not have had it. If you do not have it, that fog remains. Now, I say this as a person who tries to have character and virtue and live by values, But that's not everybody. There are many people who would rather not have those conversations ever, whether they be the aggrieved party or the one who's caused the grief. You want to leave it under the rug. You want time to simply wipe it away. So the difference when it comes to measuring upon others and having that measure to back upon you is not simply general human behavior. It is whether or not you have the character to do it. It is people who want to achieve excellence, who want to continue to improve as a human being, improve in their relationships with one another, to not repeat mistakes over and over again. Those are the people who want to be evaluated. They want to be judged. Of course we do. So, when we hear Jesus say, The measure you use upon others will be measured upon you. We rejoice. Of course we do. Because we also want excellence from others in our lives if we wish for excellence in our own lives. And the only way to do that with flawed human beings is to continuously be evaluated and improved through that sifting process. Some Christians will be thinking of the verse, I believe in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Or you could say woman or friend or even spouse. This general truth holds. If you are willing to evaluate each other, to be iron, um, what's the word, rubbing against other iron, then you want to evaluate and you want to be evaluated. Now there is the question of standards. How do we judge another person? What is the measure, if any measure should be used, to judge others? What is that measure? Well, the fact of the matter is, Jesus tells us exactly what that measure is. In another part of many of the Gospels, we read, By their fruits you will know them. Now. It's a bit of an ambiguous verse for those of us in the modern day. Many people would say that it simply means the same thing as actions speak louder than words. In other words, the results of one's activities or the activities themselves, not just what they say or think or feel, but what they do is what you should be observing. Now, if you think that, and I almost slipped and gave the gave the latter point right there, Uh, If you think that it's just about actions, that's okay. That's pretty good. Uh, That's a step in the right direction. But I think it is what I nearly slipped and said earlier. It is not the actions. The results of how someone speaks or acts or whatever is what you should be looking for. You will know them by that. Now, how does this work? Let's say that you have somebody in your life who is an alcoholic, but they keep talking about the fact that they want to get rid of their alcoholism, and they even go to groups like AA to recover, but it never happens. They continuously go back to the alcohol. Now, what do you do in these kinds of circumstances? If you came to them and said, no, you actually don't want to get rid of your alcoholism, they would say, of course I do. What are you talking about? I talk about it all the live long day. I keep going back to groups after groups. I keep seeking accountability as much as I can, but I just can't get rid of it. Do you believe them? Now, if we are to believe what Jesus is saying, the correct answer to that is no, you should not believe them. Why? Because it's not gone. If they really meant what they are saying they would be rid of it. There is something in them that they are lying about. And what is that lie? Well if I was looking at a case like this without any further information I would assume that the alcoholic keeps going back to the alcohol as a coping mechanism. There is some trauma in their past, maybe abusive parents, maybe PTSD literally from war, who knows, there is something that they haven't dealt with in their hearts, in their minds, in their emotions and their trauma centers, which keeps them going back to the alcohol. Now, if therefore they wanted to rid themselves of the alcoholism, They would have to go to the trauma, not to just an accountability group. The accountability group might be good after they have dealt with the trauma, but not before. Because you have to get to the root. Now, I can hear what some people might be saying. Well, that's still rather cruel, isn't it? Because this person doesn't necessarily know that it's trauma at the root. Well, yes, they don't consciously know it. But if they were evaluating themselves by the standard which Jesus uses, then they would have to ask themselves, why is none of this working? Right? But if this is now the 15th time that you've had this conversation and nothing has changed, then clearly this individual is not judging themselves by their fruits. So, what do we do? Well, we want to be judged by our fruits, do we not? If we want to improve, if we want to get better as individuals. So, the measure we use upon others should be, they're sorry, the measure we want used upon us is the me- measure we should use upon others. So, we evaluate this person by their fruits. Do they have the fruit of being rid of their addictions? No. So you judge them by their fruits. And in like manner, anybody who stands close to you as a true friend in your future, you expect them to give you the same kind of strictness, if you will, to judge you by the same standard. Because if you are stuck in something, say, uh, what would it be, obesity or something like that, then you would want others to help you if you really want to help others, of course. Because to you, that is the standard you have of love. Now, I'm speeding through a little bit here because my time is somewhat limited, but I want to get to one last point before I end. The Churchians, who talk endlessly about not judging, not judging, not judging, there is a sense in which I do agree with them. Um, Before I get to the final point, I just want to make this quick digression. I do believe there is a sense in which we should not judge others for the simple reason that it's not our job, and that is the judgment of eternal destination. If you as a religious believer think that people are going to some eternal destiny, heaven or hell, as I do, perhaps, then for you to judge whether a person is going to heaven or to hell is not in your purview. That's not your job. You might believe that people are going to one or other place, but it's not for you to sift. You don't get to decide who goes there. So yes, I think it is very remiss of people to judge in that sense. And if Jesus' words hold true, the measure you use upon them, judging their eternal destiny, they're probably going to retaliate. I mean, I would be surprised if they didn't. But with that digression out of the way, I want to point out that the people who talk endlessly about just don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, they are in fact following the instruction of Christ in a sense without even realizing it. Why? Because the measure they are using upon others, never judge, is probably what they want used upon them. They don't ever want to be judged. So they're getting exactly what Christ said that they would get. They set up this religious churchian standard of never judging, so they themselves are also never judged. Of course. Or at least, by all appearances. In my opinion, these people do, in fact, have a very scornful eye in certain areas, but they just try to make it very subtle and have people ignore the fact. Which, by the way, they succeed at far too much. But what kind of person, going back to the main point, would not want to be judged? I think there's two categories. One is the one that we probably are all already thinking. It's the person who's guilty. A guilty person is the one who does not want to be evaluated. If they do not not have a clean conscience and deep down are fully aware of this fact, then they're going to talk all the live long day, if they're religious, about not judging because it is they themselves who do not want to be truly seen. But there is another category, and in my opinion, this is very common to the Churchian. The Churchian is very unsettled and uneasy about whether or not they are in fact perfect or at least good enough, and if they are constantly struggling with that, And they don't want, essentially, to see the reality that they're not as good as they want to think that they are. Then, of course, they don't want any judging to go around anywhere. This, to me, would seem like at least a somewhat good motive, but still horribly wrong. Because if you're uneasy about your state of perfection or goodness or whatever, well, the best way to improve that is not to not be judged, It is to be judged, it is to be evaluated, it is to be helped by good people. Now, you want to find the people who are actually good, and are not going to wield that kind of influence simply to hurt you. That is something that we have to be careful about in this realm of judgment and evaluation. But by preventing judgment to happen anywhere in their parish, or if you're talking about the pastor or whatever, they're making sure that people remain simply stagnant Because no one is being evaluated, nobody is being helped to see their flaws, see where they could improve, including the pastors. So I find this very sad indeed. It is a complete departure from what the scriptures are actually saying. Because once again, for Jesus to say later on, you will know them by their fruits, necessitates the activity of evaluation or of judgment. If we're going to do any kind of reading on other people and who they really are, what they're really about, if we're really going to know them, then we have to judge. We have to evaluate. Jesus is not telling us to not judge. He's telling us to be very careful about how we judge, to be very purposeful with it. Because the measure we use upon others will be measured back to us. So that's all I had for us today, and I hope, as always, it's given you a lot of good to think about. Until next time.